Outsourcing work has been both the source of some of the greatest satisfaction and frustration in our career with Mark. Get it right and it's like magic. You trade some money for some work being done better than you would have done it and it just runs perfectly. Get it wrong and it can wreck your business. It's especially true when you're outsourcing SEO where unrepairable damage can be done by shitty, unscrupulous providers, which is why outsourcing SEO is such a challenging task. So in today's episode, Mark and I are going to give you some of our best tips to outsource all or some of the SEO work you're doing. Let's get started. Welcome to the Authority Hacker Podcast. No hype, no BS, no censorship. Just real-life online marketing tactics. And now your hosts, Gail Breton and Mark Webster. Hey everyone, welcome back to the Authority Hacker Podcast. Today I am with probably the most qualified person to talk about today's topic. No, probably not the most. Let's not let's not exaggerate, Mark, but one of the one very qualified person to talk about this topic. Uh, we're gonna be talking about outsourcing SEO, and I'm gonna be with Mark, my co-founder. We have had an agency that we started like 10 years ago now. I, I hate saying 10 years ago, I feel like so old. I don't know how you feel about that, Mark, but uh, you are old now. Shut up. Anyway, yeah, we started, we ran for four and a half years. Probably two years long, too long, to be honest, for my liking. I think I wish we transitioned to authority sites a little bit earlier. But it is what it is. And, you know, you make mistakes. And so we can share the mistakes. And so you don't make them. We had like... Yeah, like I will say we got a crap ton of experience do it working on all sorts of different sites and all sorts of different situations with all sorts of different people. And I think the... Oh, God, I don't know how many clients we worked for in total. Probably like 300 plus yeah, over the four, for sure. four and a bit years. I mean, we just got so such a broad range of experiences, good and bad. And I think that makes us especially qualified to, to really talk about this because we've been on that side of the fence and also through our authority sites, through outsourcing various pieces of work, through working with agencies, working with freelancers, hiring people. You know, we've seen it seen it from both ends of the spectrum. So yeah. hopefully, we can give some good insights here. I must say, it was fun, like uh, working on like 1990 designs of Flipper, for example. We used to do this year for that. I had like the analytics, etc. I could check everything. It was like really uh, educational. It's not what I prefer doing for work, but I understand that these few years were quite useful. Still wish we transitioned maybe a year or two earlier. For sure. <laughs> like I'm not, I'm not gonna say that. But yeah, so let's talk about outsourcing SEO because I think a lot of people who listen to this. They either have agencies and they can take the feedback, or they are looking to outsource some SEO work. Like a lot of like authority site owners want to outsource link building, for example. I think that's a big one. Uh, but even like content creation and all these things, like a lot of things will apply to that as well. And I think there's a lot of nuance and and, and there's also a lot of bullshit in this area. And I think I want to talk about this because when I see some sales pitches, etc., I just I go crazy. So I think I think it's gonna be it's gonna be an interesting one. Uh, but before we do that, I think uh, what's gonna be even more interesting is when people click on the like button below if they are watching on YouTube. I saw a correlation study that says that people that click on the like button actually rank high on Google. So people should probably do that. And if you subscribe, then it's like you get a featured snippet. So you know probably should do that. But let, let's do, let's get going. By the way, we also have the podcast on the audio platforms. So if you are on Spotify, if you're on iTunes, if you're on SoundCloud, if you're on Google Podcasts or any other podcast platform, you can just search for the Atari Hacker Podcast and you can get the audio version of this podcast, which can be convenient to listen to in your car or something like that. If you are on iTunes, you're probably very rich because you have a time machine, isn't it? Apple Podcast now? 
Yeah, it's Apple Podcasts, but it's just everyone calls it iTunes anyway. But like, it's called Podcasts on the iPhone, actually, not even Apple Podcasts. But uh, or you have a very old Mac or, or iPod Touch or whatever. But yeah, anyway, let's get started with this. I'll let you pick the first point, actually. So the first point is don't hire someone or an agency to solve SEO and to go away and do SEO while you just focus on your business. Because SEO, it's so ingrained into everything you do. I mean, imagine if we at authorityhacker.com just hired an SEO agency. Like, would they, they be able to capture our voice and like the way we communicate in this podcast? Would they be able to reproduce it? Would they be able to reach out to people in the industry that, that we know and say, hey, can you link to us? We're some random SEO agency. No. And the same applies. It's not just because we're in internet marketing that's the case. It's because SEO, it's so ingrained into everything that a company is doing. Like, it's very hard to outsource it all completely. And even if you find an agency who's very, very good at doing it, and there are those out there, and is willing to get very deeply involved uh, and can just magically figure out everything you need to know, there's this kind of motivation from an agency's perspective. Like, think about where what that is. It is to get you to the next month so you're just happy enough, right? It's not to transform your business from zero to $10 million a month because you're just paying them like a, in most cases, unless they're on a kind of like reward basis, in most cases you're paying them a flat fee. Their motivation is to get paid, is to do just enough to keep you satisfied, to show you some promise, to show you some results, to prove that what they're doing is worthwhile and so that they will keep paying month after month. Imagine it from their perspective, right? They have 50 clients and they have a different budget for each client maybe, and they're gonna look at each client, see how, how much results is this one getting, how much results is this one getting, how much results is this one getting. If one client's lagging behind and they're like, oh, I'm not so happy, why am I getting results, why is my traffic going down, they'll put more effort in there. But that's to the detriment of the other clients who are like, oh, they're fine, we don't have to worry about them, we don't have to work so hard this month, we'll just kind of keep them coasting along. So you, you end up, by outsourcing SEO this way, you, you end up kind of going towards this weird kind of okay-ish equilibrium. It's the portfolio can, effect, right? They try to balance which, it out. Which can be good uh, or it can be kind of okay, but it's never going to transform your business. It's never going to really get you to like an amazing growth level. It's just going to kind of be all right. And that's why I think fundamentally... SEO should be something which is which is a core competency, which is part of your your business. Sure, you can still hire people to help you do parts of it, but if you just think you can not not learn it, not understand it, not have to worry about it, and just get someone else to do it, that's that's not really the case. Yeah, I think there's two issues that you did there. So the first one is uh, essentially you become part of a portfolio, which is all the clients that they're managing. And their goal is to essentially drive the most value through the portfolio, which doesn't mean it's always the best for your individual business because you're only one point in like many points in a, in a graph and they just try to average it up. So it's very hard to like get aggressive growth from a company, from an agency. Rather, they will be really good at fixing the low hanging fruits, identifying like things that have worked for them in the past. And to that, and to that extent, I think it's great. If there's something that you're not good at, especially if it's SEO, 
I think you will get a lot of benefits, especially in the first few months, usually, because they identify these uh, these low hanging fruits, etc. So usually you work with an agency and you get like nice growth at the beginning and it kind of like slowly plateaus as they have addressed all the low hanging fruits that they have experience with. It's also it's also because SEO is kind of this like art more than a science sometimes. And a lot of clients are a bit skeptical of it. I was a bit, a bit skeptical of an agency's ability to perform. So they're, they're really motivated in that first three to six months to really get some low-hanging fruit quick wins and prove that what they're doing is worthwhile. So they can say, hey, look, since you hired us, we've increased traffic by 20% or whatever. But I think in, in reality, and it's just because no SEO has been done or very little has been done before that it's, it's quite easy to come in for anyone, even with a basic amount of experience to, to come in and just say like, oh, let's tweak a few things here and there. And it's going to start you know, working a little bit. It's like if you go outside in the rain, the 10 worst rain jackets in the world are going to keep you more dry than just going out in a t-shirt kind of thing. Yeah, I mean, I still think there's value. It's just like, it's, we have a lot of friends that do that, right? They hire an agency and then they just hire for like six months and then they just get the low hanging fruits. And maybe sometimes they swap because another agency might have like some other competencies that they can bring, etc. But I think the other point that you made that I wanted to address as well is that you can't just get SEO done without giving it any mind share. You need to, it's like, if your competitors actually care about this, it's like we were discussing about this for link building. We were looking at like some link building stuff for us. We identified opportunities, but like our competitors like are doing the it at their name. They're like the face of the website and they are the guys that actually do it, etc. And we had discussion, like if we just even get someone from our staff to do this, it's not going to get nearly the same effect as we would get if we actually got involved ourselves, gave it some mind share, and we'd probably like be able to get on more prestigious places and get the, these, really, these big links that move the needle, etc. Even if it's like some degree of involvement. So I think the idea of like, I can just give you a pile of money and that's it, it's done, I don't need to think about it, doesn't work very often. And there's a lot of bad stories that come from these things. And often that also translates into a lighter hiring process for the people that do that. And then you will end up with less good people that will promise you a lot of things are really good at selling, but not necessarily really good at delivering. And it's a bit risky. So that's the two things. Basically, you can't just do SEO without mindshare and you become part of a portfolio of clients where the agency wants the overall portfolio to go up, not just your individual company. And sometimes it means if you're doing well, if you're on top of the portfolio, they might try to push up the people that are at the bottom instead of trying to actually push you up, which is why achieving aggressive growth with an agency is often complicated unless you agree on deliverables and not results, which I think is a big one as well. You can agree, instead of saying, I want to rank up in Google, you can agree, I want 50 guest posts. And then, well, then it's just up to you to see like what the quality of the guest posts are. But if you agree on 50 guest posts, you will most likely get 50 guest posts. And then you, you take essentially the strategy part on, in, on the inside of your company and just outsource the pieces of work, which tends to be my preferred way of doing things these days. And I don't think it, I would- It still, still has other issues with like quality control and stuff. So We're going to get there. It's, <laughs> it's not something you can completely outsource the, the mindshare part of it. So because of that, like the way I pick a service provider as an agency or like a, or any service provider for like link building, for example, it works very much on like the interpersonal level for me. So I found that the service providers that we worked with where I could not get a good connection, we rarely were successful in the projects. But the people that could make the deadlines and we could have regular calls and almost act as if they were part of our team, like they're on our Slack and we chat with them, etc. It works a lot better than like when we keep the conversation to email and it's very distant and we agree to only talk once a month or something. Like I've 
I've quite struggled with that because it's like I just end up getting what they decide and not what I want. And I'm not, I'm losing control basically. And uh, for me, that has worked better. So I tend to really care about interpersonal connection. I care about people making deadlines and making calls. And overall, just like having, it's like, it's a weird one. It's like a gut feeling basically. And like also them being technical enough, like I can have a technical discussion with them and they don't contradict themselves, which a lot of providers will do. And you can catch them really quickly when you get a bit technical. For me, it's very much, they have to call things as it is. I get very anxious around uh, people that overhype things and, oh God. and kind of like aren't accurate in how they're assessing or just describing things. Salespeople, like salespeople yeah, for agencies. Basically, oh basically, God, yeah. <laughs> it's like I shake my hand. It's like you know, and even software companies do that, right? For example, um, like I remember I got a sales call with Market News, which is like a very expensive keyword tool, basically. And same, they try to bullshit me with their AI stuff, etc., without really telling me how stuff works, etc. I'm like, guys, I just like give me the tool. Like I, I, I'm pretty sure I'll be able to use this. Let me use this, and all just tell me how it actually works and where the numbers come from. And it's like it's so frustrating when people are like that. But I think it works because otherwise they wouldn't do it. So some people get convinced. But I think the people that get convinced are the people that try to outsource everything without thinking. It's kind of like the same population, which tends to be like higher level CEOs that don't really want to care about the tech stuff, etc., and end up wasting often a lot of money in these services. I think it's more, uh, it's like a different part of a sales cycle kind of thing. So, you know, if someone doesn't know they want, they need SEO, uh, yeah, telling fair. them about, um, you know, data algorithms or whatever is like, is useless. You need to like sell them on the dream and like, hey, you can increase your leads and da 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 da. And, you know, telling people these kind of examples and stories and, and, and all that. Versus us, like maybe we're just a bit more we're just jaded as than fuck, it. Yeah. 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 <laughs> I mean, that's what's probably part of it as well. We are pretty yeah. jaded having seen just how this industry really works in, in many cases. I agree. And I think being jaded, let's talk about something that a lot of people maybe not realizing is that the person you're talking to is not a person doing the work. At pretty much 99%, they might be like overseeing it, checking it once a week type thing. But they're going to outsource it. And they're going to outsource it to some people that you wish did not touch anything on your business sometimes. And you will not be happy. And basically, that's how this works, right? They charge you Western prices, and then they might outsource in the Philippines. I'm not saying everyone in the Philippines is bad, by the way. A lot of people are really good in the Philippines. But they might outsource to teams that are like less... They, they haven't talked to you, so they don't get this first-hand understanding of your project, of your business, etc. And they're going to start writing articles for guest posts. So like they will start writing blog content, or they will start making changes to your title tags, or they will start doing these things and essentially tweaking physical things, physical things, things that you can see on your business without having the level of understanding of what you actually asked your project manager or the person that sold to you. And I think that is often a problem and you will very often find a disconnection between what you agreed on with the person you talk to and what actually gets done. And I think to me, that is the main problem with outsourcing to people. It's like, I get on the phone, we'll agree and we'll be friends. And I'll be like, well, that sounds great. I think that's a good deal, etc. And then the execution of things will just be off. You know, like the, the title type will be, written in a, like there will be five exclamation marks at the end. It's just not the style we'd want to have. Or, you know, like an article would be like very, very generic. We agreed like they would do a guest post on a DR80 site. And I find this DR80 site is just a guest post form that's still high DR and happens, but it's, it's 
kind of shit. And I think it's a huge problem. And I think very often you get what you pay for as well here. And as you start realizing the value of money, and very often you don't get what you pay for. Very often you pay a lot and you get shit work anyway. And so it's, this is what, what the one thing that scares me the most. It's like, I often agree with people, but I rarely end up getting what I want, mostly because the work is passed to someone and sometimes that's sourced to other companies, et cetera. And it just ends up being a giant chain. Where we saw guest posts, right? We were getting orders that were like false level orders from other agencies, right? Yeah, so, so we, I mean, six, seven years ago now, we did at one point up to a thousand guest posts a month we, in our agency. And the majority of our clients were other agencies. Some of them, who were like our clients were clients for another client who was client for the website itself. So there was like two people between the client and us taking a cut. And then like and neither no one further up the chain knew how far this was being outsourced. Um, which is kind of crazy when you when you think about it. Not just that, yeah. but information, like the information we were getting from these agencies was like nothing. Like I'm sure like they had like a really big meeting with the initial client, et cetera. Like, you know, we did it for big brands, you know? And there was like a lot of agreements, et cetera. And then when we were getting like, essentially like three, three links down the road, we were just getting, hey, we want five guest posts <laughs> on the R60 plus sites. And it's like, you can see how the information goes from like, quite refined to like shittier and shittier as it gets repeated and people lose information. And that's the part where you don't get what you want as a client. And it's like, I don't blame us because honestly, we were getting so little information. And honestly, a lot of these agencies didn't give a shit about giving us more information anyway. That's the problem. It's like, if it was on one of my sites, I would get annoyed eventually. Like, it's like, if I get results, I'd probably like still do it for a while, but I'd be looking for other solutions because of that, you know? I don't know what you think about that. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, just in general, I, I expect that work done in this space is going to be outsourced to some level. So if I care about quality, I'm very clear in asking, you know, who is going to perform each of these tasks, uh, who in your team. And, you know, it's quite, it can be quite obvious sometimes if it's been farmed out, especially with something like content, you yeah. know, if there's, if there's inconsistencies there, uh, it's the way someone writes is very kind of... Uh, personal to them and you can often tell when it's been uh, been farmed out elsewhere but yeah. it's, it's unfortunately a very common thing uh, especially you know again with content you know you, you have a writer who who does great for a few months and then it's like oh can't be bothered anymore let's let's farm out to someone half the price and just keep the money for no work type, and that's type the problem thing, as so. well with outsource work is it gets passed on to many different people so you might be talking to the same person but that person passes the work on to like a new team every week or something you know, like it changes very often and uh you will find massive variations in quality sometimes for the better and sometimes for the worse and so it's also a problem like it's like you need to understand like it's, i would ask who's doing the work when is it done? Can I interact directly with the people writing the articles, that kind of stuff? Like, can I give them direct feedback? Are they going to be stuck to my account and am I going to get the same person or is it just variable, etc.? And usually that's where you'll find the big price differences, like for the same deliverable, which you try to be like, I'm a, usually I'd save money on a lot of things. Like I have like a $5 t-shirt right now, but it's one of these things where you will see that, well, the cheaper people will, like they have to cut corners to actually make the prices that they are charging. And uh, the problem with SEO is it's it's kind of like a zero-sum game, right? It's like, in the end, if your computer is trying harder, it doesn't matter how much you spend. If they outrank you, they just get more of the traffic, you know? And and so underspending in SEO is sometimes a mistake, you know? Any Anything else on this point or you want to take the next one? No, uh, so the next one is someone from your hometown will not necessarily do a better job. A lot of 
tends to be older people, traditional businesses, they want to work maybe because they, they fear the problem in the previous point. They want to meet that person and know them and, and really get a sense of that individual and whether they're, they're going to be good to do, do business with. And while that feels nice, and it can be at a level of comfort and reassurance that you can at any time you know, go into their office and complain if something goes wrong. Ultimately, that London or Manhattan office is expensive and you're going to be paying for the higher, you're going to be paying for that and not only the, the fixed cost, but their higher wages in those places through uh, higher costs in your SEO. Or if you're getting billed the same amount, then you're going to get less done because they have to make they have to make money somewhere, and it's just a fact. It's just a, a fact of this industry that it's very easy to do a lot of work remotely. I have a friend who has a, an agency, works for uh, local businesses in the U.S., and he lives in Europe, but nobody knows that because he he pretends that he has a, a, a U.S. A U.S. <laughs> office with like a phone number and is like always making sure to like respond during working hours in, in the US and all, all that kind of stuff. Because these types of clients that he works for, that's something that's, that's important to them. But does it mean the quality of the work is is better or worse? Like not always. There's not really, a, I don't think, a very strong correlation between that. Where I live in Edinburgh in Scotland, I, like, I've had a look at marketing agencies, SEOs and stuff in, in the space, just as kind of like out of curiosity. And honestly, like it doesn't look like they really know what they're doing. You know, why should the fact, why should where you live make a difference to your ability to do SEO? Yeah. So, would you, based on that logic, would you outsource your all your SEO work to India? No, because I think there's a stereo. There's definitely a stereotype that Indian SEOs are bad. I think that's born out of the fact that everyone who has a website gets like four emails a day from an Indian SEO company and. I think most of them probably are not not that that great people people doing this. Certainly, we've hired not just SEO but like ads people and stuff from from India in the past. And we like hired, you know, you some know. content on Hacker is written by an Indian writer that we used a while yeah. ago. Actually, really good. He quit yeah. actually. I, I wish we still had him. So, <laughs> so yeah. So the the sort of learning from this is that it's more about your quality control purposes. Be that. You know, assessing agencies, or if you know you're hiring someone, a writer in house, how you screen those, how you work with them, how you manage them, how you check check quality. That's much more important than you know the country someone's someone's based in. Of course, you know if they're in Australia and it's like hard to communicate time zones and stuff, it can be logistically a bit challenging or whatever. But in general, we've had a lot of success hiring and outsourcing from from cheaper countries. So you say that's what people should do, right? I want to caveat that. I mean, yes, but I want to caveat that by saying don't just go hire the first person that applies. You will probably get more worse people applying from these places. So you have to screen harder in order to find the good people. Yeah, I would agree with that. The designer we use as well, uh, Anatoly Hacker, for example, and some other sites, he's uh, from uh, Serbia as well. So it's like it's... It works well. It's it's perfect, and it's uh, he's really good. He's better than many UK designers are focused. <laughs> so yeah, I think uh, I think you can, but you also need a stronger critical sense towards the work because less developed places have like less developed marketplaces. And it's okay. It's like, you know, when the market was be at the same stage in developed countries, it looked the same as well. So you just need to like have a strong filtering effect. But like the, essentially the ones in these countries that are like well internationalized, speak good English, read English content to educate themselves, etc., uh, can be ex- 
extremely good value. It tends to be the kind of service providers that we hire for ourselves, provided we put a really strong screening before we hire them. Let's talk about the price. It's a tricky one, right? Because pricing SEO, it's like, how long is a piece of string? It's like you can price it based on the value people get, or you can price it on the cost of factors. That's usually the two ways you, you price things. It's like, how much does it cost us to manufacture? And do, what percentage of profit margin do we apply on top? Or like, how much value does that bring to people? And SEO agencies or SEO service providers, they will do both, right? The, some of them will be priced pretty aggressively because they're like, well, if you rank so high, uh, and especially they will price you different for different agents, for different industries because of that, because they can guesstimate how much value you will get from that and essentially charge you more for the same work. So it's a bit of a tricky one. And so that's why I tend to prefer working on deliverables because I can make a list of things I'm going to get. I'm like, okay, here's the list of things I'm getting. Here's how much I'm paying. Here's the detailed price per item. And then what I can do is I can literally take the same list of items without the prices and give it to other service providers and see how much they charge and get a feel for like, what is the market price? And it's hard to tell you like, oh, you should pay 150 bucks for a guest post and you should be paying like $50 for a skyscraper link. It's quite hard because I think, and it's something that I mentioned earlier, is how it's done. You can't just say a guest post, all guest posts are the same, right? You can't like, some guest posts are done well with content that you're not ashamed to share on your social media. And some content, some guest posts are made with spun content on sites that dropped on Google from the Medic update. And you probably don't want that link. And the content makes you feel a little bit ashamed if you were showing it to your employees or your clients, you know? So uh, there is a price to that. And I think that's why it's so hard to determine is am I paying a fair price for my SEO service or not. And it also depends on your tolerance to these things. Maybe you don't give a shit. Maybe you just want some links to rank and like you don't care. In this case, maybe like higher, like a lower price services are better. Or maybe you're trying to build a brand and you want to make sure that when people Google your brand, they don't find really shitty stuff and they don't call you out for cheating on Google and report you and do all these things. And you want some clean PR, which I would recommend if you're trying to build something a little bit bigger. And in this case, then the cheaper service providers will probably not cut, not make the cut, and you will probably need to spend more money, very often up to double the money that the budget providers would charge you. Uh, anything on price? Yeah, I mean, just in general, be very like careful like what you're negotiating for exactly. Uh, I remember when we were running an agency, and rather than promising deliverables, although we did kind of have that, we had like, that, in yeah. essence, in essence, what we were selling people was the dream of yeah higher rankings and more. And we more had traffic. both. We had but two most... services. We had one that was selling the links, and we had one that was selling consulting. Yeah, so like most people in the consulting bracket, they were not technical people. They didn't know what they needed, so they needed us to tell them that. And they were essentially trusting us that we were going to get them more traffic and get them more leads and whatnot. And it was quite common that they would push back on price for something like that. And you know, from our perspective, it's like, well, what are we going to do? Like, you know, we quoted three thousand. The only ones pay two thousand a month, so. We'll just give them two thousand yeah. dollars worth of stuff, but like they don't have in their mind that oh, that I'm going to get less links. I'm going to get not get as much consulting for that. They just went oh, I'm still going to get more more traffic and more leads, but it's going to be less money. So that's a win. So it's kind of like negotiating from ignorance, kind of thing. I mean, it just depends on your budget as well. I think you shouldn't overspend if you can't spend the, the money. But basically, what we had is at the beginning of the month. So I remember we had the list of clients and we had a list of activities. We could be like, okay, one well hour consulting is like a hundred dollars. A guest post is like hundred and fifty, and I don't know, like a blog post is 
you know, 80 or 90. And we just like have all these items and we would take their budget and then we would just like assign items to the account and be like, okay, well, this account is going to get four blog posts. It's going to get eight guest posts. It's going to get five hours of uh, consulting so we can fix their own page. And maybe we're going to do a technical audit as well to make sure that they, like, every, there's no crazy redirects and we can maybe save some link juice from four, four pages, et cetera. And then that's it. There's, there's your $2,000 budget. And if you have 3000 then we would put more items into that. And it was kind of like, you know, when you go to a market and they ask you how much meat you want and they just cut it out for you, you know, yeah, like it's kind of the same. So it's, that's how most agencies seem to work. I remember we talked to Andrew, who is uh, from uh, Voltage SEO as well, and they work more or less the same. And I think a lot of like smaller SEO agencies work that way and will just give you what you pay for. So you can pay very little, you just get very little work. The question is like, how much do you need to be competitive, which is very hard to measure because very often when you hire these kind of services, you're trying to catch up with competitors that have been doing SEO for years. So you tend to need some aggressive investment at the beginning, at least for the catch-up process. And then after that, maybe you can maintain, etc. But unless they have some really good keyword strategy or they can go around and find some better keywords, etc. But yeah, it's that's basically how prices work. Do you want to go for the next one? Yeah, so the next one is uh, reviews and these sites that claim to kind of rank SEO agencies and oh performance, they're all bullshit. We were number one in the UK at some point, you know? It's like there was a site that put us number one in the UK. I think it was, was it top SEOs or, or something yeah. like that? I, I could be wrong on that, don't, don't quote me. Basically, there are these sites out there that the business model is they will, I mean, for us, it seemed almost random that you could get like ranked in in this list of top international SEOs or top industry SEOs or whatever. There's that, on, if you go on some of their sites, not all of them, but some of their sites, they actually have the ability to apply and then there's like a fee, a fee so that they will like consider it and, and this kind of thing. Uh, this is all like very, very sketchy. I think these sites kind of rank for best SEO agency in a city or like best at an industry SEO, like, uh, I don't know, trying, trying to think like um, best sunglasses SEO or whatever. And then they'll, they'll rank people who are the best at doing SEO in that, in that industry. But it's it's completely fabricated. It's all bullshit. They don't check anything. So They're like yeah, we were on some nothing. rankings and we heard nothing from them, or our clients heard nothing from them. So it's just a way to sell legion. So like they sell sponsored placements as well, and they're just like, hey, if you want to rank higher, you can just pay us three thousand dollars and we rank you higher. So they're just renting the page basically, like, like the same way a lot of SEOs do for local uh, queries. Like they build a website, then they just charge like a dentist or a lawyer to put them on the page and get them some traffic. Essentially, that's the business model, and it's all bullshit. So if you're trying to hire a service, don't believe these. I, I like case studies, like some of them in SEO, there are like, a, like we had an old one, but it's too old now. I would recommend you go check the competitors, actually. Some competitors have done new, I think, I think Brandin had, has done one recently, and uh, maybe Matthew Edward or something, where they test like link building services. For example, and it's like I think these I would trust when there's like they really went to buy the service and check it out, etc. I think this is cool, but these kind of like ranking sites just no, don't don't trust them. And talking about link building, I think it's probably the scariest thing to outsource. Although it's not as scary as it was once when there was no disavow tool, <laughs> and you could get your site hammered by Penguin, but you could not disavow it, and you just had to wait for Google to let you back in like to rank again. You need to be a little bit careful because there is a lot of lies and bullshit in selling links. And uh, it's one of the things that pisses me off the most, right? Most people that we've criticized for as being link sellers, they're like, oh, you don't like PBNs and you don't like Greyhat, et cetera. I'm like, I don't care, Greyhat, like PBNs are not illegal. You're not breaking the law. You're allowed to, to own a website and link to another website. It's 
completely fine. My problem is when service providers sell you a guest post for like 200 bucks, well, it's actually just a post on their shitty PBN that actually market value around $40. And they will just change their marketing to charge you four or five times more. And we see some of our readers just ending up giving them way too much money to for something that's just not worth what they paid for. Because, and also they got lied to. It says like real guest posts and then you get a link on the PBN or you get a mention and it's a link on the hacked website and they just bought it on SAPE, you know? And that's my problem. And a lot of people will do that. And it's very hard to verify because when you talk to them, you will ask for samples or something, and they will show you real samples. It's kind of like designers, you know? <laughs> designers do that a lot. They send you great samples, then you hire their designers. Like, that's a lot worse than anything I saw in the yeah. samples. And um, link builders will do the same, and, and that's a bit of a problem. Also, a lot of people will say real outreach links, and then they will just buy the links, uh, which, again, I don't mind if you buy links, but tell your clients you're buying links for them. Like, for example, I mean, a good example is Jason Mellon we had on the podcast, right? He does pay for links, but he tells his clients when he pays for links. And you know what? I have no problem with that. It's like, a, it's a reality of the market and a lot of people do it. A lot of age pro members buy links and, and it's fine. But what I don't like is when you think that you were completely clean, you pay the service, and then you take, you've taken a risk that you're not aware of. And that annoys me a lot and SEO providers do that a lot so that they can make more money and they can inflate their prices so they lie to you. So be very careful with that. I think a lot of the time when people are hiring these kind of services and there's a, oh, you know, we don't, we don't, it's all natural outreach, blah, blah, blah. There's maybe a bit of them that kind of doubts it, but they're just like, well, you know, they're saying it's okay, so it's it must cheap. be okay. It's kind of like <laughs> out of sight, out of mind kind of thing. So I think that's definitely a factor there. What I will also say, you know, as someone who at one point sold a thousand links in a month, not selling links, but like providing that uh, link building as a service, what would happen is that we very quickly built up a database of a few hundred sites who we had, you know, core relationships with, uh, relationships with core people. And we knew that we could get any, like, which is, send any article of almost any quality as long as it wasn't to like a porn site or something and we could we could uh spend between sort of like 10 and 30 dollars uh for like the sponsored fee uh, and we could get a link for, uh, for any client on that site now when you have 200 sites that you can do this from if you have one client who wants you know 50 links a month then eventually you're going to need to like start you know doing actual outreach to get links for them but for all these sort of small volume clients that are coming in and buying, you know, five links a month for six months or something, you can just use your database. Like why spend the time doing the outreach, doing the, the hard manual work when you just go through this same database and just, you know, get easy, quick links from. And that is a reality of the link building outsourcing market. Uh, and it's something you have to be very, very careful, careful of because uh, you know, just because the numbers, the DR or whatever is is good, and the site looks kind of old or whatever, uh, seems to have traffic. If they're selling links for twenty bucks and everyone is just like everybody is just like getting links from them, then you know you have to question whether that's a, a that's a valuable link to have. And you know, even that debate aside, is that what you're really paying for? If they say they're manually outreaching for links and and they're not. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it's quite tricky. And the thing is, that the lack of transparency annoys me. Not the the processes. It's like a lot of people do that with their sites, but the lack of transparency is terrible. Uh, pick the next point. Uh, next point is around micromanaging. So 
and this this goes more for like the SEO agency, like they're doing it all for you kind of thing. The most common inquiry we got from clients over that time was, hey, I was checking my Google Analytics today and I saw traffic was down on this page by 10%. Or, hey, I was just checking the rank tracker and this keyword dropped three positions today. What's up? And, you know, it's kind of born out of, it's born out of ignorance to an extent, but it's also they want to make sure that you're on it and you're not letting anything slip. So they, they kind of try and micromanage you like that. Now, of course, when you're looking at one page or one keyword especially, you know, they, they go up and down all the time. It's a competitive landscape. And, you know, we had templated answers to sort of explain why that happens. And we would try, as much as we would try and get ahead of the situation and tell clients not to worry about that, they always did. Um, and it took up some of our time to kind of have this conversation with them. And that was time that we couldn't spend doing their actual SEO, which would, you know, ironically help recover whatever situation had occurred. So there is an argument to say that you should be agreeing check-in time or reporting time, that weekly, monthly, whatever, when you have a call, get reported, get reports, you check on their, their progress. But if you're looking at it every day, it's kind of things go up and down and they, they change so much, especially with, uh, with, with rankings that you're just going to cause more problems than you, you solve by, by micromanaging them um, on this, on this, in this kind of way. And the same can kind of be said for if you're outsourcing content or link building, although I think there's a big, big difference there. I think content especially, you need to be like heavily, heavily micromanaging like the first sort of like four or five, 10 articles that content producer or agency delivers for you because that will determine, your feedback there will determine the quality of work you're getting back from them on the long, long run. And so if you don't do, if you don't do that properly there, then you'll end up getting shit work forever, basically. And it's very hard, you know, after they've delivered 500 articles, you say, oh, they're all terrible. So you have to kind of get ahead of it there. But after things get going, then micromanaging can often cause more problems than you think it solves. Um, although it's nice to feel like you're keeping on top of someone or an agency, you're often just making the problem worse. So you have to be a little bit careful of that. Yeah. I actually want to wrap this up now with one thing, which is, I think you, and we're going to go back to the beginning of this podcast, you should be building an in-house team eventually. So you need a plan. I think agencies are great to get started at something you're not good at that you've never done before. You get the low-hanging fruits for them and you get a lot of education as well. I think if you hire an agency and you don't just uh, get the value from the work they do, but from understanding how this process works, it brings you an initial experience. Uh, the problem is, as we mentioned earlier as well, you get kind of like a ceiling of mediocrity through the portfolio effect of them managing all their clients. And so it's very hard to get aggressive growth, et cetera. Like we have some friends that used to have agencies and couldn't get growth and then transitioned to in-house and got massive growth. Uh, many people that we know. So I think when you have agencies, it's a good idea to make a plan to not have this going forever, but rather have a transition plan. So I think it's a good idea to hire an agency for one or two years. And uh, I like the idea of uh, putting someone in charge for managing them and kind of like have them learn about the process, ask a lot of questions, really check the work. So you make sure you get good work. But at the same time, this person educates themselves about the process, whether that's Facebook ads, whether that's PR or anything like that. And what this person does is slowly take more and more of this work in-house and of the agency. And eventually you build an in-house team that can then push things 
in a much more tailored way for your business and with the goal of growing your business, not the entire portfolio of clients. And I think that's how we've seen most people use agencies successfully. So they're a great way to get started with something. Like if you want to try Facebook ads, if you want to try PR, if you want to like start link building, if you're not doing that yet, if you want to start content, all of that, it's a great way to get started. But eventually, I think that's the best way to handle this. So I would recommend that you make a plan to slowly transition in-house, build a core competency and grow from there. Yeah, I mean, I, I agree. I think there's definitely a, a valid place for agencies, especially if you're, you're you're just getting started. You don't know what you need. You need someone to kind of like establish the process, get things going. Um, but I, I don't think that SEO or any of the, the subtopics around it are link building content, uh, technical SEO, et cetera, are things you can completely just outsource the mind share of. You have to take some ownership. You have to have your fingers in all the pies with it, at least to 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 some extent. And yeah, just just be very careful with with who you're hiring in, in this industry because it's not regulated. I don't necessarily think it should be regulated uh, in the same way that like accountants or lawyers are. But you know, there are a lot of people who are substandard. Let's let's put it that way. All right. Any final words? Nope. All right. Well, on this, remember, if you are watching this on YouTube, click on the like button below. As I said, there's a correlation study that says that you rank higher if you click on that. If you subscribe, that helps us a lot as well. And if you want to listen to this podcast on the audio platform, it's on any podcast platform, just look for Toy Hacker Podcast and you will find us there. We release a new podcast every Monday. So you will have another podcast in a week if you're listening on Monday. And if you come on Monday on our YouTube channel around 5 p.m. UK time, you will have us live actually answer your questions during the premiere of the podcast episode. So if you want to hang out, you can do that. Thank you for listening. We will see you next week. Have a good week. Bye. <music>